Welcome to the City of Heroes podcast, a resource for the casual Heroes gamer. Your hosts, Shooch and Viv, are here to explain basic and advanced features of COH, as well as give tips and answer your questions about this great MMO. Welcome to the City of Heroes podcast. This is Chooch. And this is Viv. And we have a special guest with us this outing. A mighty guest. (laughs) (laughs) We have, on the phone, Mighty Mer Lafferty, the author of Playing Keeps and... The Heaven series and... Yeah. Heaven does so many other things. Tons of wind. (laughs) So, hey Mer, how you doing? Hey Chooch and Viv, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be on the show. Cool. Well, we are just piddling ourselves with excitement to have you on the show. (laughs) So you're ramping up. You've got a big release, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Launching the the book, Playing for Keeps, from Swarm Press on August 25th. And that's the day that you want people to actually go on and order it to make a run on Amazon, right? Yes. I, I hate talking about it, but... I tried to keep it under wraps, but then people started emailing me about it. Amazon actually already has the book available. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of looked at that and said, okay, what am I going to do about this? And I <laughs> essentially, it's, if you buy it, I certainly am not going to complain at all. <laughs> right. But if you can wait until the 25th, I'd really, really appreciate it because I've been talking about it for so long that I really didn't feel comfortable changing the date. Absolutely. And saying, never mind, guys, it's tomorrow. Let's right. go. <laughs> so, it was, yeah, I'm still pushing the 25th. And, you know, like I said, if you buy it, that's great. I really appreciate the support. If yeah. you could wait till the 25th, I'll be very excited. Well, and, and you know, I'm an instant gratification kind of girl. It's, it feels so <laughs> awful telling people to wait another 18 days. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 Viv right there. Yeah, I have a problem. Have, you've seen the movie Postcards from the Edge. It was out in the, I think, the early 90s or the late 80s with Meryl Streep. I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it. She has the best line that relates to, like, my personality where she says instant gratification takes too long. <laughs> Which is one of my like mantras for life. <laughs> so I can yeah. I can totally understand because when I saw that it was up there, I hovered over the button saying, "No, Mer said wait, so we wait, <laughs> <laughs> must wait." <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I I first I got Amazon Prime, and I just fell in love with the fact that I could get free two day shipping. You know, after <gasps> the initial cost. Yeah, and then my mom completely unexpectedly got me a Kindle for my birthday. And that's instantaneous. Ooh. And now I'm thinking, should I get the Kindle version or should I get the wait two whole days for the paper version? Oh, God, two days. Wow. Painful. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe these publishers will start doing the whole bundle deal. Then you can have both. Best of both worlds. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for people who don't know, other authors have done these similar Amazon deals. And the reason to wait for that day is if everybody kind of rushes in mass, we can see it hit the charts higher and get much higher visibility. With other publishers. Yeah. yeah, you know, we have 
small publisher and not a whole lot of marketing dollars. And uh, because it's a small publisher, uh, they can't take returns. So the bookstores aren't going to stock it because they don't want to stock a book they can't return. Mm -hmm. So you can either walk into your bookstore and order it or you can order it online. And so because of that, you know, I really don't like taking money away from like independent bookstores, but because independent bookstores aren't going to be carrying it anyway, unless you specifically ask for it, I'm saying let's do the, uh, let's let everybody go to Amazon on the same day, which will push the book up the charts and I'll get listed on the, uh, I think it's the movers and shakers list. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the higher I get on the charts, the more exposure I'll get Mm -hmm. and, you know. More exposure is always good. And the more sales I get, the better chance I have of writing book two. Ooh. That was one of our I, questions I, later on. <laughs> I like this. Oh, man. <laughs> I, hate it when, I hate it when my interviewees go ahead and get the jump on me on a question. I'm sorry. No, that's great. That's a great lead in. Just to know there will be a book two, possibly. You have oh, I- ideas percolating? Yeah, it's, it's outlined pretty much. I just want to see how book one does and see if the publisher is interested in book two. But yeah, it's, 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 I know where it's going. Excellent. Are you doing like T and Scott and Pip are doing with the PDF releases of the book? To I am. Of- oh, very uh, cool. I, I decided, uh, I decided to take the existing PDFs down. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted the book to be available uh, via PDF closer to the launch, mm-hmm. so that people would download the PDF and be able to think, "Oh, I can go and buy this mm-hmm. either now or shortly." Right. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all the PDFs together into one file with the remain with the cover art that was done by uh, Jared Axelrod, Natalie Metzger, and J.C. Hutchins. Mm-hmm. And I'll also be adding an original short story at the end that will be act as a bridge between book one and book two. Ooh. Oh, that's awesome. We'll introduce a new hero level character. Very cool. Well, and I kind of pulled that question out of nowhere on Chooch, but the reason I'm asking is because we actually had a listener asking why, for instance, we put T and Pip's PDFs in our feed and the lister was asking, why would they do that? It seems kind of, I, you know. Counterintuitive. If you counterintuitive, want people to buy your book, why, why would you, you give it, it for free? And and to us, it's like, well, you've already given it away for free once by podcasting yeah. it. So can you explain to listeners why you'll be doing the PDF version? Sure. Actually, I was the first podcaster to do it as I was podcasting the book. Mm-hmm. I just decided to see how that worked out. And I actually got, I got attention from the hearing impaired community who were thrilled with the fact that they could experience the book because oh. they can't listen to audiobooks. And it, it, it was that, but it was also, uh, I'm a disciple. I like to call myself a disciple, even though I think if I think about it too much, it'll turn out creepy. But uh, <laughs> I am a disciple of Cory Doctorow, and mm. you know, I've, I've watched his career and what it's done, and I've met him and seen his personal energy, and just he's just somebody I really admire and yeah. would really like to be like, personally or career-wise or whatever. And he has always given away his stuff from day one Mm -hmm. of his launch. Yeah. And he is not hurting for readers. He says, you know, if they're not, you know, if they're going to buy it, they're going to buy it. And Mm -hmm. if they're not going to buy it and they would, quote, steal a PDF, the lack of the PDF isn't going to make them buy it. Does that make sense? Mm Absolutely. Absolutely. I also like to think of it as you guys have heard me talk about the free ice cream metaphor before, but (laughs) uh, this is kind of a twist on that in that Ben and Jerry's 
is a beloved ice cream chain. And every, I guess once a year, maybe a couple times a year, they have their free cone day. And on their free cone day, the line stretches out the door. Mm. And, you know, the line doesn't stretch out the door every day. But you mm. know that that free cone day has got to do something to make loyal customers. Right. Yeah. And so if I give it away to 50,000 downloads, you know, over all the podcasts I'm going to be reaching, and I get 10,000 people to buy the book, I win. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> totally. I mean, you know, and, and people don't seem to complain about libraries. Mm-hmm. Uh, libraries, are, yeah. you know, you, <laughs> sell, you sell the book once and it's loaned out to countless people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like that. I like to think that about PDFs. I know I had some listeners print out the PDFs and drop them in libraries yeah. or medical waiting rooms or just stuff like that, stuff where people are looking for things to read. Wow. And, you know, I like to think of it as I'm giving my stuff away and I am building, I'm, I'm building loyalty. It's people are just like, wow, Mer gave this to me. That's so cool. And I've had people say, man, I've been enjoying your stuff for so long. When can I actually buy something so exactly. I can go back I've had more than one person ask me that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not ever going to stop doing it. I'm not saying I'm building this brand loyalty and then I'll start charging for everything. I still think, mm-hmm. you know, giving it away is important and I, I think it will pay off. Mm-hmm. You know, we should probably back up. We've followed the podcast and bought a print version and know everything about the book, but we should probably back up a little bit about the book itself <laughs> <laughs> for people who are listening who haven't. Hey, that's fine. Playing for Keeps is about a woman who is in a city that has supervillains causing mayhem and superheroes fighting the villains. Unfortunately, she has a superpower, but it's nowhere, it's not a power she can use to fight crime. And it turns out that many years ago, 60 or so years ago, there was a bad drug interaction with a trial for a, a drug company. And women who were pregnant either miscarried the babies or carried the babies to term and had babies with very strange superpowers. Like, you know, everybody, you you see superpower, uh, superheroes, and they all have what I like to call a cocktail of powers. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. they, if you could just fly, that'd be kind of lame. You know, it gets cold (laughs) up there, it would rain on you. You're probably not strong enough to carry anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, the the FAA is probably going to get on your ass. You know, they're. A lot of stuff that could go wrong if you could just fly. But you mm. know, and you know, they say the flash is just fast. But you know, he's got to have some sort of strength because if right. you hit something going at that speed, your arm's going to break. Friction and problems and yeah. Friction problems exactly. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what if you just have somebody with one power and it's not that cool, but it is superhuman. Mm-hmm. And so I gave these people powers, and then uh, the government said. You know, okay, this drug made a lot of women miscarry. That's bad. So then they they pulled it off the market and then, of course, went underground and started testing. And a couple of years later, full-fledged heroes were born. Hmm. And then after the first babies who had those the strange lame powers, they grew up and had kids. And those are our protagonists. Mm-hmm. So you've got the people who are, they have lame powers just like their parents did and they're kind of at this point you know the society's used to people with really lame powers and they're just kind of you know i i I compare them to like third string junior varsity basketball players right they're on they're on the team but they never get to play Mm -hmm. right i really like the way you introduce the at the beginning of the book how you have this event happen and keepsy is just like 
ho-hum. You know, she's so blasé yeah. about it. And to us, it's just like, oh, that's so fantastic. Just this and that and the other. And it's like, yawn. You know, it's just so, yeah. it's so captivating the way that happens. You're just like, okay, I need to know why she's so blasé <laughs> about it. It's a really great way to capture people's interest. Thank you. Uh, she, Yes, she gets captured by a supervillain and she's annoyed. And she's <laughs> She is frightened because, you know, he's holding, he's flying and right. he's holding her above the city. And then, of course, the hero comes and instead of making things safer, mm-hmm. he attacks and makes makes the guy drop her. And <laughs> it's like terrifying for a second. And then the hero saves her and she's mortally embarrassed. Yeah. She doesn't like the heroes. She's not evil. She just doesn't like the heroes. Right. And yeah, our our hero has a very strange passive power in that nothing she owns can be taken away from her. And, you know, you really can't fight crime with that. But <laughs> the villains figure out how to manipulate that by giving her something that the heroes want. Mm-hmm. And they know that she's not going to want to give it back to the heroes just out of spite because the heroes are jerks. Yep. Mm. And so that's how she ends up in the middle of the heroes and the villains, not really sure who to support. And then uh, as things get more and more exciting, you're not really sure who are the good guys and who are the bad. So. It's a really neat twist on the superhero formula, for sure. Thank you. So where did the uh, the idea for it come from? It was at Dragon Con, I want to say eight or nine years ago. My best friend from college, Jason Adams, who's also my co-host of the Geek Foo Morning Show, we were at Dragon Con, and if you've ever been to Dragon Con, you know that getting an elevator is almost like a sport. <laughs> because the, the hotel's very tall, and so elevators are necessary. And yet... They're really you know, once you get you know that forty thousand people in there, it's really hard to get an elevator to come. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like every time Jason would hit the button, the elevator would be there immediately. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's like really lame and really <laughs> useful. <laughs> and so at, at that point, I wondered why. When you read about these amazing super superpowers, for one, as I said, there's always a cocktail, mm-hmm. but also they always get stuff that's useful to fighting crime. Right. You know, there's nobody who's just like, oh, I can change the color of a dog's hair. <laughs> you know, nobody ever gets that. It's always just superhuman strength or telepathy or, or something useful. Mm-hmm. And so that, that got my imagination going. And Playing for Keeps took a long time in writing. Just it was a short story, and then it was a novella, and then it was a novel. And somewhere in there I had a kid and you know there was like lots of fits and starts with the with the uh the writing and then the workshopping and then there was like 10 months of an agent hunt mm-hmm. between the final draft and the podcast so yeah it's been a long time <laughs> i feel old <laughs> <laughs> so from the audience standpoint it's been well worth it for us <laughs> well great I, that's you know that's that's the point that's what matters so do you have a favorite character within the book i don't know you know, Keepsy is is close to a Mary Sue character. I have to admit, <laughs> uh, she's stronger than I am. But Ian is fun because he doesn't have any. Uh, he he doesn't have a lot of filters, and he doesn't have a lot of he he, he doesn't stop himself very much when uh-huh. he wants to do something. He's very headstrong, and that gets him into trouble. But it's always fun to write about. <laughs> I, I was realizing something the other day is that. I still like my villains, Clever Jack and Doodad, and I think I'd like to focus on them as protagonists at some point, Mm. maybe earlier on. Right now, I I have restarted Stories of the Third Wave, which is sort of like a fan cast, and I've gotten a lot of people to uh, contribute 
content to that. Mm -hmm. And some of it is, if you're listening to the radio in Seventh City, our made-up superhero city, what are you going to hear? Like, how would radio shows change in a world of superheroes? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I've got a lot of great content, but I have two people writing fiction for me. Mm -hmm. And that's J.C. Hutchins and Matt Wallace. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Those hacks. Yeah, I know. I know. You better I be couldn't careful. Get any, I couldn't get any of the good podcast authors, so <laughs> they <nice>. were free. <laughs> um, but, you know, what Matt's working on something in the past of some of the older heroes, and I, I've only read about half of it, but he's focusing on Seismic Stan. Oh, okay. Cool. And so I'm really, really can't wait to hear what he's done with that. But, and this is, it's funny because this is something he asked to write months before I ever got a contract. Hmm. Yeah. You know, he's just like, you know, I'd really like to write something about Seismic Stan's history. I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> and then, you know, when I got the contract, I'm like, hey, this could be kind of cool. Yeah. So definitely do that. And um, so, yeah, I, I've been thinking about, I really like Clever Jack and Doodad a lot, even though they are villains and they're, they're mm -hmm. not terribly nice, but I, so they're, they're favorites. And actually Colette, the cook became a bigger character than I expected her to be. Love her. She's very, she's like the opposite of Ian. She is very common sense and the kind of woman that, you know, when she picks up her chef's knife, you're going to get a little, a little nervous, even though, you know, she's about to cook. You just get a little <laughs> nervous because... You know she could use it if she had to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like I like a lot of my characters. It's uh, it was a lot of fun to write, and I think the second story it, it's going to be a little darker, and that might be difficult because you know you you don't want to murder your darlings, these right. wonderful people. Yeah. So what about the whole novel? Would you say you're most proud of? <laughs> oh gosh, you know. Well, you mean like overall or like what's my favorite scene or? Real, I mean, just is there any, like, is there a specific piece scene or just part of the whole journey? Well, uh, I'll answer both of those. Th there is a scene, people who've read it will know it as the toe scene. Oh, uh. yeah. <laughs> but see, it, it's, it's a scene where one of the characters is not quite what he seems to be. And so another character decides to test him. Mm. Because she knows that the, the the if he were himself, he would react a certain way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that scene never fails to make me laugh <laughs> when I read it. And I'm thinking, either I'm just too pleased with myself, or it's a really good scene. And I'll choose to believe the good the good version of that. So <laughs> I think it's a know, really good scene. It's it's not it's not a deep scene. It's not it's not particularly exciting, but it always makes me laugh when I read mm. it. And so uh, I'd have to say that's probably my favorite. Cool. Um, overall, I've had unexpected response to the book, such as people telling me that, you know, one of the themes of the book is, it, it feels so cliche to say it, but you know, you don't need to have superpowers to be a hero. Mm. Very mm -hmm. true. But uh, Robin, from who teaches English at, in Seoul, Korea, assigned the book to her class. Mm -hmm. and she they all listened to it and i and she asked them all to write me and i got a lot of really interesting oh, emails wow. and one of them was 
you know, it nearly made me cry. Just a woman saying, you know, I often don't think a lot of myself or I feel really bad about myself. And your book showed me that, you know, maybe I could be special. Maybe I could be a hero. And I'm like, it's just a little book about superheroes. Oh, my God. I, I was very touched. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Mer, one thing you may have to kind of open your yourself to is the fact that you are an author, your work is out there, and it is affecting people in ways that just seem incomprehensible to you. Yeah, you're, you're affecting you're absolutely... people the way that other authors have affected you. So you're one of them now, Mer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> so on the other side of things, is there anything that you haven't particularly been happy with with the novel? Oh God, yes. The <laughs> the whole history of who has powers, who has what powers, and what they're called. Mm-hmm. I really, it's like I didn't realize how confusing it was for everybody until it was too late. Mm. But. You know, uh, a lot of people think that the first wave are the heroes because the first wave seems to be the strongest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, who are the second wave? I don't understand because no one's named as the second wave. And All I'm right. like, it made so much sense to me at the time. <laughs> and now I can totally see how it's not terribly important. You know, it's not like it, it, you, you view the plot of the book differently if you misunderstand this part. But it's like the first babies born with powers were the first wave. And then the government took the the drugs and they engineered their own superheroes, Mm -hmm. which were the second wave, but they did not want to make them sound below the first wave. Mm -hmm. So they became the heroes. And then when the first wave had babies, see, I should have called them the second wave or done away with the whole naming system entirely. (laughs) The new wave. Yeah, I don't know. But I called it the third wave because, Mm -hmm. you know, there were they were the third generation of people with powers. Mm hmm. And everyone gets that that keeps seeing her friends at the third wave, but the whole first wave, second wave hero things confuses a lot of people. And it's like, it's confused enough people to make me realize, yeah, that's my fault. (laughs) You know, if one person says they don't get it, you can probably shrug it off. But enough people have said, I don't quite get this, that, yeah. And so (laughs) that is really something I would love to go back and, uh, and fix. (laughs) Well, maybe that could be book three. You could explain that whole hierarchy. I was thinking about that for book two, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, I always wondered in uh, Harry Potter, I think book four, when Hermione is trying to explain to Victor Crumb how her name is pronounced. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that was Rowling's little little, uh, hint Mm -hmm. to people who do not find Hermione as a name in (laughs) their culture. I don't know if is it it an English name or is it just a little used Uh. name? Came out of the blue for me. Same here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm wondering if, yeah, I should just write something up to cover that and make it fit in the book, but be a little note to the people who are reading mm-hmm. just to clear it up for them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I had a question because in the Heaven series and in Playing for Keeps, you've got these strong female characters. They're human. They make mistakes. They've got some indecision and all that stuff. But they're definitely the protagonist. They're strong. They're trying to do right in troubling circumstances. And I was just wondering if that was something that you just enjoy writing or if as the mother of a daughter, you decided that you needed to put some of those role models out there for Pink Tornado. 
Well, I think uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm probably writing the books that I would have wanted to read as a kid mm. because, you know, she's got a lot of, there, there are a lot more women and girls in literature now in kids' mm -hmm. uh, books True. than there were even in our age. And I remember yeah. just always reading uh, C.S. Lewis's, the, 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 the Narnia series, mm -hmm. and thinking, okay, you, you've given these two women, or two girls, uh, a bow and arrow, and made her an incredible archer, and then you gave Lucy a knife, and then you said, oh, yeah, but don't use it, because it's ugly when women fight. <laughs> and I'm like, at that point, I didn't like Aslan anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you're a big sexist lion. <laughs> you know, that's all you are. It's a big sexist lion. And, uh, and then... <laughs> I found The Hero in the Crown and The Blue Sword by Raman McKinley, and I just fell in love because mm -hmm. they finally made it a, a female adventure fantasy hero that I could get behind. Mm -hmm. And really, it's, it's, I'm writing the books. That, that's what they always tell you. Write the books you want to read. Mm -hmm. And I want to read about you know women characters in fantastical situations that are really awesome. And yeah, if she ever reads them, I hope she'll be pleased with how I've chosen to, who, who I've chosen to put in the hero spot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, considering I'm not writing YA, I hope she doesn't read them for a little while. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I was also thinking that with a little bit of editing, Heaven could probably be YA. Yeah. yeah. I, th and that's my next question, because I really, really love the Heaven series also. Thank you. And... That's, I think, why I had such a little freak out when I met you at RavenCon, because I had literally just finished, and <laughs> I was just so blown away by the whole series. And I, so I'm wondering, is that going to be translated into a book for release at some point? I have edited Heaven and Hell together to be one whole book, and the, the theory is that Earth and Wasteland will also be one whole book together. Okay. Because they're, it's four novellas, really. Mm -hmm. And the final chapter will be, I hope, novel length. So that, awesome. that was my that was my plan. That was a plan I came up with at Balticon last year. <laughs> I, I you know was talking. It was just a lot of fun talking to really creative people like Earl Newton and J.C. Hutchins and Christiana Ellis and Matt Wallace and just that those people just being with them just really stimulated my creativity. And mm -hmm. suddenly I plotted out the whole rest of the Heaven series. Knows where it ends. Knows how it ends. And I am doing an agent hunt right now. There are a couple of agents who are looking at heaven mm -hmm. and expressing, you know, very positive things about it. But I haven't heard anything. I don't have an agent yet. So mm -hmm. it, it's, I am I am hoping to put it into print. Awesome. It's a very long way of going about saying that. <laughs> okay. Well, this little fangirl just got goosebumps when you said that the final one would be novel length. I thought, oh, goody, so much more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what I'm hoping. Uh I, I was hoping I could write during this marketing rush for playing for keeps, and it's it's not happening. I mean, I, <laughs> foolish I, mortal. <laughs> I've been able to, yeah, I know. I've been able to write short stories for uh, J.C. Hutchins' Obsidian, right. and then I wrote a short story for Matthew Wayne Selznick's uh, Webathon for Brave Men Run. Yeah, and now I'm working on a short story for my own <laughs> web push, which is the uh, short story for playing for keeps, and then. I still have a novel that's about halfway done that I really want to finish. And after that is my plan to do war. And I could put this novel on the back burner, but I did that with playing for keeps and it's so hard to get back into it. Mm -hmm. If you take a long time off. Yeah. So I, I really want to just after the launch of playing for keeps, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll market a little bit more, keep shaking my butt, keep people buying it. And then I need to go into writing mode again and yeah. finish this novel and then take a week off and then start war. So, <laughs> uh, I make it sound so easy, don't I? <laughs> you do. I'm just going, wow, it's just that easy. But yeah, I know no, better. It's <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But um, that's, that's my, that's my goal. It's, I really want to do war this fall and fall is coming. So. <laughs> yeah, really quickly. Yeah. Well, backing out a little bit, how did you get your start in writing professionally? Professionally, I was, I was working at Redstorm Entertainment. I was doing the website and I was desperately trying to break into game design. It wasn't working out. And we hired a guy who had worked for White Wolf. Uh, as a game designer and mm -hmm. he and I made pretty close friends and he was leaving White Wolf and so he still had a lot of contacts there and he knew I wanted to get into writing and so he offered to help me with my fiction but around that time I got laid off from Red Storm so uh, he said if you want some freelance work I can see if White Wolf has anything so mm -hmm. he contacted a friend at White Wolf and got me my first job and so that made me see that networking was very powerful. Mm -hmm. And then it also made me realize that if I do a pretty good job and hit my deadlines, that will get me more work. So that got me into RPG stuff for quite some time. And then I kind of fell into a little bit of magazine work. I actually got the courage to approach Jolly Blackburn, the writer of and editor, I think, of, of Knights of the Dinner Table. Uh -huh. at, at Origins one year and just said, you know, do you need any columnists? Because I write geek, geeky essays. So, <laughs> and he, he hired me soon after that. And so, and then I sold my first story to Escape Pod three Christmases ago, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. I, I am now officially Steve's Christmas story go-to yeah. woman. So <laughs> he, he likes the tradition, but uh, he will, I, I know he will reject me if I, I send him something not good. So I need to, actually, right. I need to start thinking about the Christmas story now so I can give him room to reject <laughs> me and have me write another one just in case. <laughs> but yeah, it, it went from RPGs to magazines, and then I finally started selling some fiction. Yeah, Steve's not shy about rejecting me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, it, it's a good thing. It really is, because if you're friends with somebody and they keep telling you you're awesome, you may at some point wonder, Mm -hmm. Are you saying that because you're my friend? But Steve is a very, very good at what he does. And he mm -hmm. is, uh, he knows when it's business and he knows when it's friendship. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, the fact that he rejected my first story that I sent him makes me feel, made me feel good about subsequent stuff that he's accepted. And he has rejected me since then. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's when you do sell something to him, that, that'll make it feel that much better yeah. because though so he really likes it. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing RPG writing, geek essays, and you've been writing for Suicide Girls. Yes, I have a geek essay, a geek column for Suicide Girls, and it's due tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've done that. This will be my third month doing that, and that's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Do you have a preference for any writing style, essays or fiction, or? Oh, fiction. Yeah. Yeah, essays. They're they're they're. I don't know. They've always seemed a little easier for me. I think I, I wrote a ton of essays a couple of years ago when I was writing for Geek Fu Action Grip, Knights of the Dinner Table, and The Dragon Page. Mm -hmm. And I kind of burned myself out there. And so now I do two a month, and they're a little harder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and But still, it's it's just easy for me to pick a geeky topic and go on and on about it. While I feel like there's more work 
put into the fiction, which maybe I should put more work into my essays. I don't know. But <laughs> just for just for ease of, of creation, I guess, since I, I write it fast and I toss it out there, I've tossed it out there on, on podcasts before just for the hell of it. And I, I was a lot less eager to do that with fiction. It took me a while to realize that giving away my fiction via audio or PDF would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. But I never hesitated giving away the essays. I don't know why. Hmm. But yeah, the fiction's closer to my heart. We know with C- we are a City of Heroes podcast. We should probably ask a couple of City of Heroes questions. <laughs> my first MMO. Really? Mm-hmm. I knew that you were a player. I didn't realize it was your first one. Wow. I never got into it. I tried uh, EverQuest. Mm-hmm. And I tried... Uh, Ashran's Call, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just never got into it until City of Heroes. And I think it was partly because of the low item worry. Sure. You know, I, I, I was a little... Part of it was I was intimidated by all the crap that you had to <laughs> deal with. Which, you know, since I was a Diablo player, you, mm. you wonder why I would be intimidated <laughs> by that. But all the right. crap that you have, that, that bothered me. And then... With EverQuest, it felt like there was an awful lot of running to my dead body. Right. <laughs> so with with City of Heroes, it didn't feel like that. And City of Heroes still has the best team-up system with the sidekick. And yeah. what's it called when you go the other way? Exemplar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that we've definitely found is for more casual players, people who don't have that time to really commit to the hardcore all-the-time gaming that... Yeah. It's really easy to still be with your friends, even though they've leveled out. Yeah, that's that's the reason why I had to quit World of Warcraft, because, you know, I'm the only parent in my gaming group, and they mm-hmm. would get on before I could, and they would stay up later than I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, I just, they out-leveled me, and I would have to solo, and then they started getting uh, voiceover IP play, so no one would chat with me anymore, because they were all chatting voice. <laughs> so... It became very lonely, and I and I just sat there and went, "Has anybody looked at City of Heroes? This is can't they just code in this one one awesome thing, please?" Yeah, <laughs> the the voice. No, no, the the, the side kicking. Oh, so the I side kicking. Right, right, right. I could gotcha. go hang out with my friends who yeah. were level seventy, and I was only level fifty, and it took me right. literally years to get there. Right. <laughs> gotcha. So, what is your favorite uh, archetype or power set? Um. It was. It's hard to say. I played uh, the healer, mm-hmm. the highest, and let's see. I, I created a character after Doodad in the novel, who obviously was a, a gadget guy, uh-huh. and uh, that was a lot of fun because I could make him look exactly like Doodad from my mind's eye. You know, he Very had the circuitry cool. under his skin, and he had the monocle, and he was a big buff guy, and he ran around with little robot circling his head and, <laughs> and that was a lot of fun but i have to say i liked the healer it was it, it you just it wasn't a, it was it of course wasn't as strong as i wanted it to be because right. it wasn't it was a healer right. but uh, <laughs> i did like the healer and i i had a scrapper i enjoyed very much mm-hmm. they're very popular obviously not a ton because i can't remember anything about her but i do remember <laughs> i did have a scrapper they she she was fun <laughs> Is there any particular bad guys or areas in the game that you liked heading to? Well, and let's ask how long ago it was since you last really had a chance to play because you've got a yeah. pretty full plate. Yeah, I think I played last summer when uh, my daughter won the costume contest at at Origins, the superhero right. costume contest. And so I loaded it on and made a, a character, I think it was a scrapper, 
which was the pink tornado, which was her character <laughs> that she won with. So we ran around with the pink tornado for a little while, and then I got busy, and she lost interest. So uh, loaded it back up last last summer, and I've she won again this year. And so we now have City of Heroes and City of Villains, and so put it on the computer, and still haven't played it yet. So yeah. it's been a little while, but I remember I like the Clockworks. Oh, they were yeah. always fun. Especially since you kill them and then they hop into a whole bunch of little clockworks and you, you're never sure when they die. <laughs> Excellent. Well, speaking as as a as a gamer, as a mom writer, how do you uh, balance being a mom and a writer and promotion and? Well, right now it's driving me crazy, uh, <laughs> just with with the the mainly the promotion. But honestly, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a day job. I got laid off from my day job, and so I am full-time stay-at-home mom, writer, podcaster. So I do. I, I don't have those pressures on me. I have other pressures, but <laughs> uh, I, I don't have the the full-time day job pressure. But I don't know. And the funny thing is, I feel like I waste a lot of time. And every once in a while, I wonder what I could get done if I didn't. You know, if I really could focus and and bust my butt and make better use of my time. I don't know. I have a digital uh, a DVR and I think that revolutionizes your your time management. Is it for for a TV addicted nation it revolutionizes mm-hmm. time management more than people talk about. You know, yeah. more than they actually comprehend, I should say. So, you know, if there's I, I never have to worry that I have to be in front of the TV at X time. Yeah. And if I do have some free time, I can sit in front of the TV and, you know, <laughs> still edit a edit audio or something. And I don't know. I I, <laughs> I really don't know how I how I do it all. It's I, I heard a saying once that if you if you want something done, ask somebody who has a hundred things to do because they'll fit it in instead of somebody who has nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, I you guys have kids and podcasts and, and you guys do stuff, so I'm sure you, you understand. But yeah. <laughs> what's funny is I, I was talking to Christiana Ellis the other night and she is while she doesn't have kids, she's a extremely prolific podcaster. Absolutely. And she says she's done the same thing where people ask her how in the world she finds the time and she thinks, I waste time all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. I could do so much more. If I just, you know, applied myself and focused a little more. And wow. so I know exactly what she's she's meaning. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> we had a question from a listener um, named Image Chaos, who actually sent it through Twitter. His question is, at what moment do you decide that an idea is viable for writing? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's, there's, there's the wouldn't it be cool if moment. Mm-hmm. And then I guess if I can see, sometimes the idea just sits there because you don't have a person in the wouldn't it be cool if. Mm. And until there's a person there, you, 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 need, you need a variety of elements. You know, you need a person, you need, if you're writing sci-fi fantasy, you need a world. Even if it's our world with just a little bit of different stuff, mm-hmm. you still need a world. Or maybe I should say you need rules. So you need a person, you need your rules, and then you need whatever conflict they're working against. And if you only have one of those things, you may just sit there and think about this person in your head or whatever. Right. So I I guess I wait until those things gel. Other times when I'm assigned something like 
the Obsidian thing or the Breakland Run thing, you got to force those ideas to come a little faster. But then you have some guidance because it's got to be in the Blackout or it's got to be in the Braveman Run universe. So right. I don't know. I, I, I've been doing a blog called The News from Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. And the blog is pretty much fizzled out. It was trying to be a daily thing. And lately, I just haven't had the oomph. And it's 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 all over now, except for me saying it's all over. <laughs> Uh, but but it was it was it was a really interesting exercise. The point of it was is that ideas are easy. Mm-hmm. It's the writing that's hard because I know so many beginning writers who think I've got this great idea for a novel and I'm thinking just one. Yeah, <laughs> really needs so many more than just one. Yeah, and and you know if you have one and and you're so worried about it and so nurturing of it and and you you're worried someone's going to steal it or something you just I just wanted to let people know that ideas are so freaking easy mm-hmm. and <laughs> ideas are easy. Blogging every day is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I still maintain that, that ideas are easy, but the, the task of blogging every day and, and then I tried to keep it to a certain theme, like, you know, Wednesdays I would do a MacGuffin, you know, the, the mm-hmm. thing people chase after in stories, mm-hmm. like for playing for keeps, the MacGuffin is the little ball that, that, is traded between heroes and villains and right. the third waivers. Mm-hmm. The, the point is that coming up with ideas was a lot of fun and pretty easy, but I'm kind of seeing that blog as, well, I can take any one of those and, and do something with it, but only a couple of them have grabbed me enough to make me want to move on with it. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just, it's, it's got a, you can have tons of ideas, but you got to find the one that appeals to you and fleshes itself out in your head almost without your, effort like first there's the spark of whoa wouldn't it be cool if and then you see what your subconscious comes up with mm-hmm. yeah let it percolate <laughs> another listener question was from uh, cheyenne wright cheyenne you He's... may have heard of him <laughs> <laughs> I, I i fangirled at him today over chat after i saw his drawing of will wheaton did you guys see that oh, yes I it was awesome shoot you got it's it's oh man it's really it's, cool it's a, thing of beauty he drew will wheaton standing there like a rock star except Mm -hmm. it's a guitar hero guitar Mm -hmm. Ah. and he's got his geek shirt on and (laughs) i love cheyenne what does he what does cheyenne have to say well (laughs) appropriately (laughs) so i think his question was cheyenne wright awesome artist or awesomest artist (laughs) (laughs) okay uh yeah i think he's the awesomest (laughs) We agree. <laughs> and you are the awesomest. Yeah, we I mean, his art is on my desktop of the uh, art he did of the Mighty Murr and the Pink Tornado. So, And those yeah. are just so precious. I mean, forget the glamour shots, mother-daughter stuff. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. This is way cooler, those <laughs> pictures he did of you in Pink Tornado. Yeah. Yeah, I've been geeking out over his Dr. Horrible oh, wallpapers the last few days. <laughs> yeah, those are really good, too. I just love them. <laughs> Yeah, he and I have been uh, scheming about something, but it, it was his idea, so I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> nice. Well, that's just got me all kinds of curious. We'll I'm just, sorry. We'll just I'll have tell to you wait. When, uh, uh, I'll tell you when we stop recording. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yay. Off the record. Well, Did, actually, we have been chatting for a while. We should probably. Well, I do have one more question, though. Do you have any? I know you've got some book signings come up, mm-hmm. coming up. Do you want to make any announcement about that so if people are in the area, they can buy your book and come by? 
Sure, I have. Uh, I know I have a signing at DragonCon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when or where, but if you just look in, look look me up in the DragonCon book, they'll tell you when I'm signing. And if you approach me at DragonCon, I will of course not tell you. No, you have to come to the signing. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> anything you put in front of me, um, even somebody else's book, I don't care. Um, but good to I know. have a signing at let's see, Park Road Books, I believe it is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I don't remember the date of that. Let me look that up real quick. No, September 4th. Yes, September 14th, 2 p.m. Park Road Books in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am having a signing at Chapel Hill Comics probably sometime in, in, in October. So if you are in my area, then check out the Chapel Hill Comics website because they will start. They, they will advertise that. And I'll, of course, advertise it on my multitudes of podcasts. <laughs> so there's that. I don't. I don't think I have any more signings uh, planned out. My friends in in Ohio have been telling me they really want me to come to Columbus, but uh, I go to Columbus once a year, and that's in July, so mm-hmm. that's already passed. Right. <laughs> well, and let us know if you end up doing any signings up here in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, because we do have a few listeners up here, mm-hmm. and I know we would be there if you came. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to. I would love to go back to Loretta's store. What is it? Constellation. Constellation? Yeah, I would love to go back there, but it's like we took three trips north this spring, mm. and that's unprecedented for us. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if uh, we're going to be finding the time to head to the DC area again. But mm-hmm. if we do, I would love to go back to Constellation Books and uh, say hi to Loretta and talk to people. Awesome. And so, Mer, I understand you had a surprise for our listeners. Yeah, I'll be donating a signed copy of playing for keeps to anybody who can win one of your exciting contests excellent awesome test (laughs) so yeah listeners if you would like to win a copy of playing for keeps the awesome groundbreaking novel you can send an email to chpodcast at gmail.com and same as we did for the twilight garden contest uh you'll need to be 18 you'll need to give us your address your full name Mm mm-hmm your address, and how you would like it personalized because Murr will personalize it special just for you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so send it in subject line, keepsy contest or novel contest or, or playing whatever for you keeps remember. Or we'll keep track of it. We'll figure it out. We're smart. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll take entries till the, to midnight Eastern on the 23rd. Yes. And then we'll make the announcement on the 24th before the big run on Amazon on what day, guys? August 25th. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, there was one other question. Okay. What makes pie nature's perfect food? It is. I, I think it was uh, It was discussed in Dr. Horrible. Ah. Except oh. it was discussed in Dr. Horrible like in a bad way. <laughs> right. Really, it's the, it's, it, you've got the perfection of the crust. And yes, if you want to get into key lime, we can, but that's like a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> you've got the perfection of the crust, and then deeper than that, you've got the, the filling, mm-hmm. which is another form of perfection. <laughs> but then you go back to the first perfection again, mm. and you get the crust. It, it is this perfect bookending yeah. of happiness. <laughs> and, you know, if you do crust right, it is, you know, you should be saint, you, you should be canonized. Very really. true. I, I've been I've been curious. It's like lard gets a bad rap because it's animal mm-hmm. and 
It's called lard. And right. really, you can't make that sound good. Yeah. No, you can't. But from what I've heard is that lard does make the best pie crust. And I have been curious about mm. its its powers. So mm. I may try that this fall. I may, <laughs> I may go to the grocery store and look on the bottom shelf for that big tub of lard. <laughs> well, then you'll have to do a special pie cast then and let us all know. I will. I should do a pie cast with all that extra time I've got. I know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Who needs to write? You can just pie cast. Exactly. That would make my listeners who are waiting for war so happy. Oh, right. Wait, forget I said that. <laughs> can we like go back in time and I can take that back? I'll just, I just eat pie. Don't, don't worry. Okay. I'll eat it and I'll make it. And if awesome. somebody asks me about it, I'll talk about it. But no plans for a dedicated pie right. cast right now. Cool. That's a relief. <laughs> so for all of your information, all of your different feeds and projects... Isn't there a one-stop shopping place for all That's your That's right. Mermaids? I launched the Merverse a couple of months ago, M-U-R-V-E-R-S-E. Also, merlafferty.com points there. Mm-hmm. It is the one place where you can go and you could subscribe to a feed and you will get everything I do. I should be writing, any fiction I do, The Takeover, which we haven't talked about, but it's my oh, yeah. uh, audio drama that's corporate zombies and that's literal zombies. Mm-hmm. It's Hilarious. in hiatus now, so I can focus on... Oh, thank you. It's, it's on hiatus now, so I can focus on playing for keeps, but it's coming back in September. And uh, all of that is at merverse.com. That was actually and one thing I forgot to mention is that City of Heroes, for their Halloween event this year, they're doing the zombie apocalypse. Meaning, uh, so they've got invasions of zombies hitting the different cities, city zones. Will you guys remind me so yes. I can maybe actually play? <laughs> Absolutely. And we can sidekick you along. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't. I, I if I join you guys, I won't be able to bring my characters from my initial server, right? They do a paid character no, transfer but now, just, but generally, yeah. No, just create somebody work. new, and we'll sidekick you. <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah, cost. I'll create, I'll create somebody new that that that's just like the person on the victory server. So perfect, awesome. But yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely something. I, and you know, the thing is, I'm not really obsessed with zombies. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but for some reason. The two things that are my newest properties right now mm. are have to do with zombies. There's there's, <laughs> there's a book I'm working on that has monsters in it, and then there's the the takeover. So I don't know. But anyway, if you, if you go to the Merverse and you don't want all of my stuff, if you don't want to hear, I should be writing ta- me talking about writing. Um, there's also links to all of my individual podcasts that you can go to and and subscribe to. So go do it, everybody, because it's kick butt. <laughs> yeah, and go to Amazon.com on August 25th. Please, please wait until August 25th. Please. Yes. And if you can't wait, if you still want to buy, then rock on. Thank you. <laughs> but come on, if I can be patient, anybody can be patient. Yeah. For else. Talk about impatient. I would love to just say, okay, guys, starting now, go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Really go, wish Eagle, I could, go. Yeah. Really wish I could do that, but I can't. <laughs> I've tried to be, I've been talking August 25th for a while now. I'll keep talking August 25th. Yeah. yeah. Momentum. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're behind it. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Guys, it was a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I will need to sign into City of Heroes some night when you guys are on so I can play with you. It's like I always think about it at the wrong time or the wrong day. Mm-hmm. Well, you Excellent. let us know when and we'll figure it out. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Mer. Thank you, guys.
This podcast, its hosts, and websites are not in any way affiliated with NCSoft, Cryptic Studios, or City of Heroes. All views expressed are solely of the hosts and their guests. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License, which is explained in detail at cohpodcast.com. Good hunting, heroes.